Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Columbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Ah, what a beautiful day. I love it when I get asked to do this. Greg, taking a little time off, doing some stuff. Says, hey, Chad, will you fill in a little Three Martini Lunch? I said, you know what? I could do that. It is Three Martini Lunch. You know, we give you the good, the bad, the crazy, the wild, the wacky. Who knows what? You may get three goods, three bads. Uh, but as always, Jim Garrity is here to lead us through it all. And good morning, my friend. Uh, what do we got on tap today? Well, Chad, it's a rare day where we have two goods and a bad. Uh, usually we try to go good, bad, crazy, keep kind of keep the spheres in harmony, as the new age types like to say. But uh, some days it just is more good news. And sometimes, you know, the, the bad news often doubles for crazy anyway. All right. So let's right. start with the good news. Uh, let's start in Missouri. Uh, what's so good about Missouri? I mean, I like Missouri, but what's good about it? they got the biggest Bass Pro Shop. I know that. <laughs> well, besides the St. Louis Cardinals and all kinds of other things to love in the state. Look, there is a Senate race. Roy Blunt is retiring. And there is a Republican primary out there that was looking pretty darn messy uh, and perhaps most ominously, look, Missouri is a pretty darn red state. This is the sort of Senate race that Republicans should have pretty much locked up. Alas, it was not looking that way. And for a while, the former governor, Eric Greitens, who, let's face it, has more than a few skeletons in his closet and arguably a woman tied up in there. Um, that basically this is a guy who had to resign as governor, who kind of has had this cloud of, uh, uh, you know, serious, you know, misconduct scandal over his head. Uh, he ran the ad that talked about going rhino hunting and all that kind of stuff. And he just is kind of, you know, trying to make this argument. I'm the craziest guy out there. And the fear was that in a divided uh, lineup of several candidates, he was going to end up with the biggest slice in the uh, in there. Thankfully, uh, former Governor Eric Greitens is now dropping in the polls. Uh, Attorney General for the state, Eric Schmidt, is taking a commanding lead over the six-candidate uh, primary field. Uh, he's ahead by 12. Now, again, only 33% of the vote, but uh, Vicki Hartzler is 21%. Greitens is now in third at 16%. And I think there was a poll that had him actually um, leading at one point. So this is a good sign that Greitens is losing ground. I, I, if the Missouri Republicans had chosen to nominate a guy who would be so hard to elect, even in a deep red state like uh, Missouri. I mean, I think the victory of Doug Jones uh, should be an indicator to Republicans that there are very few, few states that are so Republican that you're going to you're going to win no matter who you who you nominate. Greetings would turn this into a competitive race. If, you know, as it looks like Schmidt wins the primary, then Republicans could say, OK, this one looks safe. We don't have to expend a lot of resources there. I think if Vixie Hartzler were to suddenly have this late surge, she would be also a safe win. The only person who could put this seat at risk for the Republicans is Eric Greitens. And thankfully, Missouri Republicans appear to be saying, OK, we don't want that option. No, and you were going through that here with uh, Carrie Lake and Karen Taylor Robeson out in Arizona, where I'm based. Jim is mm. the, uh, you know, we, we we talk about and we've heard about this, uh, the vote for the worst kind of thing, where you've got Democrats who are weighing in trying to get people they believe would be so unelectable that even Republicans will turn their nose. And I'm surprised there isn't a, some gaining steam with Greitens there, people trying to do that. Yeah, we, we've seen this. Uh, in Maryland, we've seen this in uh, Arizona, as you mentioned, your home state. Uh, we are seeing, you know, we, uh, 
there's some argument whether, you know, uh, in Mastriano in Pennsylvania, he probably would have won the nomination, even if Democrats had not been running ads. Uh, allegedly, they're denouncing him. But what they do is they're denouncing him. They say, he's a full supporter of Donald Trump, which obviously is meant to get Trump supporters to uh, support him. You know, this is one of those cases in which Democrats are convinced this candidate is going to be the easiest to beat. There was a poll that had Mastriano in Pennsylvania up only uh, down by four. And in a year like this, you know, probably a state like Pennsylvania is, you know, within reach. It's not likely. I think that uh, in that Senate race, it looks like Fetterman's going to, you know, beat Oz like a uh, rented mule, so to speak. But uh, it's one of those things where Democrats are playing a very dangerous game. The thing I would point out to Republican voters is we don't have to go along with this. <laughs> if, they, if the Democrats are supporting somebody, maybe that person isn't the most competitive in the general election. We can pick somebody else. And at least thankfully in Missouri, it looks like Republicans are going in that direction. Amen. Amen. Uh, Chad Benson in for Greg Columbus. It is the three martini lunch. Uh, speaking of choices, there's choices and then there's net choice. Ah, excellent transition there, Chad. Our country is being rocked by soaring inflation, lackluster leadership and chaos on the world stage. Americans need their legislators to focus on the issues that matter and ease the economic pain that we are all feeling. Instead, senators like Amy Klobuchar are pushing a big government takeover of America's tech industry through progressive regulations that would worsen inflation and make important digital services like Amazon Prime more expensive and harder to use. Conservatives must block progressive pet projects that will raise prices and undermine our world standing. These lawmakers need to keep American innovation the best in the world. NetChoice wants you to join it in telling Congress to stop raising prices and reject progressive tech regulations like S2992. Learn more about this fight and send a letter to your representatives at netchoice.org forward slash 2992. This message was brought to you by NetChoice. It is through Martini Lunch. We've had the uh, first good. Now let's head to the second good, and Samantha B is gone. And I will tell you, when she first started her show, Jim, uh, was at the Democratic, I mean, the, uh, the Republican National Convention in Ohio, and she yelled at my producer and <laughs> screamed at him just for walking by on the street when she was shooting. And it was awful. She's an awful person, and she was never funny. How dare he walk by on the street? Yeah. So what a lot of folks on the right might want to look at this and say, aha, you know, get woke, go broke. Uh, clearly, this is catching up to them. And look, Samantha B is basically doing the same shtick she's been doing since she was on The Daily Show. And she had seven seasons of her program. So I don't think that uh, the Americans are suddenly turning against left wing talk radio show hosts. What I do think we see here and I wrote about this in the National Review's corner the other day. Uh, Lily Singh was another one who was had a late, late show over on NBC. Uh, there's a show on Showtime that recently got canceled. Somebody pointed out that Comedy Central used to have three late night shows. Now they're only down to one, The Daily Show with, with Trevor Noah. And I think you look at this trend. Uh, apparently, CBS, James Corbin is going to retire. And CBS is not sure they're going to replace him. They want to look at you know, lower cost options for that time slot. I think we are reaching a point where networks, regardless of their politics, are just looking at late night television saying, wow, there's a lot of shows out there and this market is oversaturated. There are just too many hosts with too similar shtick telling the same kind of jokes, whether it's Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon or Stephen Colbert or Trevor Noah. Uh, you just go down the list and most of them are left of center. There's you know, nothing... 
uh, inherently wrong with that. I think John Stewart used to be pretty darn funny back in his earlier days. I do think, though, that a lot of these things are they're all kind of doing the same thing. And they're just spreading out that avail. There's a finite number of Americans who around 1130, if they're still awake and they're after the you know evening news, want to hear, hey, did you hear what Trump did today? And, ha, hey, I don't know about you, but have you noticed that uh, Mitch McConnell is old? You know, these very tired hackneyed feels. And I noticed the other day that uh, or a couple of weeks ago that uh, Stephen Colbert has a Democratic politician on his show roughly one every two, two or three days. Oh, yeah. Sometimes it's sometimes it's Beto. Sometimes it's AOC. Warnock was on. I, I just I can't imagine that that many Americans. He's got Raskin who, on here. I think tonight actually. Yeah. You know, who, who goes, oh, oh, Cory Booker's on tonight, and he's going to talk about gun control. I can't set the DVR, honey. You know, I, I just I don't think people. I, I don't think it's fun. I don't think it's you know necessarily all that funny. Uh, Stephen Miller characterizes this as. Uh, group therapy for liberals at late night. I, I see this as a sign that te- network executives, look, I'm not saying they're conservatives. I'm just saying like, look, there isn't that much of a market for this and it's just not cost effective anymore. Uh, no. but, you and, know, Chad, how do you see it? You know, you go back to Johnny Carson, Johnny Carson, uh, his whole job was to be entertaining. Didn't care who was in the 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 position of holding power in the White House. You were going to get hammered if you did something silly. His whole job was, I'm going to make everybody laugh because Republicans and Democrats, you come together. This is about entertainment. It's not about whatever it is now. Plus, you got more choices. And, you know, Greg Gutfeld pulls a massive number comparatively and in many times beats many of those. I mean, if I was looking and I had to replace, I might look at Greg Gutfeld and go, man, we surprise everybody uh, in doing something like this just because we could throw enough money at him. What do you think about leaving? Uh, Because there is, I think, a huge movement for just stuff that's entertaining, regardless of politics. Whatever, Whatever can entertain people, it doesn't need to have a message other than, well, that was entertaining. And I yeah. think there's a move towards that. I was just say, Gutfeld, uh, he's a funny guy. I think he's been a funny guy for a very long time. But you know, he's got a market pretty much to himself. I, I was talking about this the other day, and somebody mentioned Bill Maher. Bill Maher was very much on the left for a very long time. He's just exasperated with people who are further to the left of him. Now, that does make him stand out in the current crop of television talk show hosts. But I think it... Uh, when you have, you know, eight or nine or maybe even a dozen shows competing for the same audience on one side and Greg Gutfeld has the whole has the, like half of America on the other side. He sh- we shouldn't be surprised that he's doing very well in the ratings and everybody, a bunch of the other shows are struggling. We've given you two goods today and now we're going to move on to the bad. Yeah. So unfortunately, you know, there's going to be some bad part. I, I suppose some folks might see this as President Biden taking another metaphorical pratfall. I don't mean a literal pratfall like when he fell off his bike. Um, Over the weekend, you probably heard uh, Janet Yellen and other administration officials saying, look, look, well, maybe on Thursday morning, we're going to find out that the U.S. has had two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth, the traditional definition of a recession. But Yellen insisted, no, no, it's not an official recession. It's not really a recession because unemployment's so low, it doesn't count, yada, yada, yada. Well, yesterday, uh, you know, President Biden, he's, he's recovering from COVID-19, thank goodness. Seems like he's doing fine. Um, but he was appearing by, by video with reporters, and they asked him, uh, are you worried about a recession? And he said, we're not going to be in a recession, in my view. Uh, I don't think we're going to, uh, God willing, I don't think we're going to see a recession. Now, 
there are a lot of things. You know, I, I heard maybe you can make this a, a crazy martini. First of all, I think we're in a recession. So that makes it bad news. I, I think we are in yeah. a recession. I think the numbers on Thursday morning are going to confirm it. If they don't, it's really hard to imagine them saying growth was great last quarter. So even if we avoid it by having zero or 0.1 or some very low level of it, we're, we're, we're either in a recession or we are very close to a recession by the traditional definition. And yes, it is very unusual that unemployment is very low, but because of inflation, everybody feels very lousy about the economy. Uh, the purchasing power is down dramatically. Uh, everything, and it's not just on big stuff like your home purchase or your car purchase. It's on your groceries. It's on your gasoline. It's on all kinds of stuff that you have to buy once a week, maybe once every two weeks, something like that. So, of course, people feel economically pessimistic. The administration really wants to get into a semantic argument about what exactly defines a recession. What I think to most Americans, a recession is just a synonym for economic bad times. And I think we're in economic bad times. So Biden is, you know, like, again, two days before the official announcement comes out, Biden lays down a marker and says, we're not going to be in a recession. Well, by Thursday morning, we may know otherwise. You know, it's funny about this, too, because, you know, uh, the the left loves to play the game of, well, if you want to be this or that, you can just call yourself. Let's change the words, whatever it is. <laughs> Listening to Yellen say, we're not going to be in a recession, according to some other national economic something or other. I, I don't know. It's just it, it was like the NBA, the NHL, somebody like that says we're not in a recession. You can spin it however you want. If you ask 100 people out there, Jim, I think you know this. Do you think times are good or bad economically? You're probably going to get 20 people, maybe 10 that say it's pretty good. And you're going to get probably 60 or 70 says, I'm worried about some stuff. I feel uncomfortable in this. That's the, all the recession you need to know. If we believe it, if we feel it, if our confidence is down, the reality is it's where we're headed there, if not already there. Yeah. You know, also, my colleague, Kevin Williamson, had a very interesting observation where he pointed out that, like, look, he is at a, a stage in life and income level where he doesn't worry about gas getting really expensive that much. But once it goes past five dollars a gallon, once it gets to that six dollars a gallon, he thinks about earlier in his life when he was pinching pet meats, when he was, you know, living paycheck to paycheck. And he thinks about how devastating it would have been to have five dollar gas, six dollar gas when he was barely making edges meet. And I think a lot of people feel that even if you can get through this, you know, even if you're, you got a raise last year or your investment did well, or some other reason you're doing financially okay for now. Uh, first of all, a whole bunch of Americans are eating through their savings that they built up during the recession when there was, you know, you couldn't travel around. They were, there was a much more limited way of how you could spend your money. Um, and I think just kind of, there's this anxiety of like, okay, well, I'm doing all right for now, but if this continues for another six months, if this continues for another year, what's it going to be like now? Now, hopefully we get, you know, in, inflation has peaked. I, I can't help but notice that the Biden, various Biden officials have called the peak of inflation like several times over the last six months. And we're at 9.1% and we'll find out what the numbers for July are. It's probably not going to be like great either. Uh, inflation generally does not drop like a stone very quickly. So all of that adds up to bad news. And once again, you know, President Biden is whistling past the grave bar saying, don't worry, America, we're not in a recession. Again, it's as it's, bad as his assurance that uh, inflation would be temporary, seasonal patterns at the border. We're not going to evacuate from Afghanistan. You know, everything he predicts tends to fall apart on him. Yeah. Somebody the other day said something like about him and Yellen being Yoda. And I said, here's the thing about Yoda. Nobody would have followed Yoda after the third or fourth time you got hit by a lightsaber and none of the stuff he taught you worked, 
right? I think we all know that. We're like, I don't think this guy knows what he's talking about. So, uh, Jim Garrity, right there. Of course, I'm Chad Benson, in for Greg Columbus. It is your three martini lunch. We gave you a couple goods, and we gave you a bad crazy uh, as well, uh, depending on how you want to look at it. As always, fun to be on the program for Greg. I'm sure you'll be back uh, sooner rather than later. But, uh, uh, Jim, people want to get a hold of you. How do they do that? I am at Jim Garrity on uh, Twitter and also at National Review. I write the Morning Jolt newsletter Monday through Friday. And I usually contribute to the corner several times a day. And you can always follow me at Chad Benson Show. Uh, appreciate uh, coming on today, and I'll see you soon. Thanks for coming on, Chad. Hey, guys, it's Mock and Daisy from the Chicks on the Right, and we're excited to tell you about our podcast, the Mock and Daisy Common Sense Cast. If you've been stressed lately with the information overload on social media or just don't feel like anything in the news makes sense anymore, don't worry, because we're here to clear things up. Every week, we discuss topics like cancel culture, national crisis, what's happening to our new generations. And if you're just plain tired of people trying to tell you what to do or how to live your life, we tackle that, too. Find out more by going to our website, chicksontheright.com, or start listening on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or your favorite favorite podcast app. Don't forget to leave a comment or review and subscribe.